Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. And we've been shared on social media, so hopefully somebody will tune in. But honestly, if they don't, that's okay. Because we just hit 10,000 subscribers for the year. Yay! Yeah! Dude, I was so excited when I saw that. That's pretty, uh... It's pretty legitimate, I'd say. Well, especially, too, because, like, a certain part of me is, like, it's so it's so vindicating because GGR before was, was I was so focused on the numbers and, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. Like, it was, but, it, you know, not, like, huge numbers. And, like, now it is, and it's just, it's, it's just so cool. It, it, it's just a reminder that we're actually doing something that's kind of cool, so. And, well, and really, I mean, the old, like, saying you I, I would tell people like when i was interviewing for the various sales jobs i'd have uh, they always be like so what motivates you or whatever because they want to hear some kind of nonsense and money my, my thing would be always lots like lots of you money. know what for me personally i always felt like the challenge is what motivates me to get you know better and do do the next thing yeah. and money it's just a scorekeeper you know what i mean that just tells me how good i'm doing now that was a line of bs because I know it sounded good. Yeah. But in this case, I feel like that's true. Like the numbers, like that isn't the goal, but it is a, like a metric for how we're doing and whether or not people are enjoying what we're putting out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that like we've added new shows too, because now we have like a full complement of shows and this is perfect timing because one of the other shows that we have on our network, uh, the host just showed up. Um, We've got the standard GGR Pirate Radio. Uh, if you feel like going old school and you like listening to crappy audio quality, uh, you've got season one of GGR Pirate Radio. Um, we've got the um, the Geek Sheets has its own podcast now. Um, Stop Me If You Heard This has its own podcast feed. And then we also have the Overflow with MC Brooks, who is joining us right now. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Hey, buddy. Welcome. Yes. Um, so I wanted to mention something real quick. It's going to be both a compliment to Pittsburgh, but also kind of an insult, Steve. So just bear with me as I, as I, as I, uh, twirl this yarn. Um, it's like fries on a sandwich. It doesn't quite belong, but somehow it's still good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the Capitals have played two games now in the, in the early stages of the 2018, 2019 NHL season. And they are, they have one win. Uh, zero losses in regulation, and then they lost one game in overtime, uh, and they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. It was a 7-6 to six score, which is, in hockey, that's a lot of damn goals. Um, yeah. Their yeah. first game that they played, they beat Boston 7 nothing, and it was the night that they unraveled their banner. The, the compliment is, first off, I think that if you could do, remember, like, back in, like, you heard the stories of, like, back in the 40s when, like, a lot of, um, football players were off, like, fighting World War II. So, like, the NFL, like, in order to keep themselves in existence, they were, like, merging teams together. Um, yeah, there was um, there was a year. Oh, God, Pittsburgh I want to see Philadelphia. the Steelers and Eagles. Yeah, yeah the Steagles. The Steagles, yeah. If, if the Penguins and the Capitals were to join forces, which it, it's an unholy alliance, you would never see it. But, like, if it happened, they would be the best team in the league. Not even, it, it would, no one would even come close to them. 
Like, you could literally have Capitals, Penguins, Super Team, and then have all the rest of the NHL pick an All-Star team, and the Caps and, uh, Caps and Penguins uh, All-Star team would probably still beat everybody. Like they, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was about to ask, like, would that team even lose a game? No, because think about it. Like, if Holby <laughs> got cold, you put in Murray. Murray would be fine. Like, you've got, you would have Crosby, Ovechkin, Malkin, Kuznetsov. You'd have this like Russian force of disgustingness. Like, you would have Crosby. You would have Oshie. You would have Backstrom. Like, the team would be unstoppable. Like, it, they would, yeah. Like, it, they would. No one would be able to beat them. But like. The credit that I want to give <laughs> the the only fly see in your theory here about uh, the draft depleting it is that your assumption is that all these Russian and Canadian players are being drafted into the U.S. Army yeah, to fight our war. Yeah, I feel like they would be unaffected as far as the the NHL goes. Well, I'm just saying, you know, that's that's why we would be able to have this awesome super team of of hockey. Um, to there to that to that note where I'm going with this is losing to the Penguins last night what it sucked okay because I wanted to beat the Penguins I wanted to start off 2 and 0 but I also wanted to just just because it's always nice when you beat your rival right yeah but after winning the Stanley Cup it did not sting nearly as bad as it used to in the past and like it was one of those things where I was like yeah we lost but you know what we beat them in game 6 in OT in their barn and I was like yeah and like having that Stanley Cup behind you was just like, oh man, that felt good. That was, is that what it feels like all the time to be from Pittsburgh, Steve? Well, and I certainly, all right, so I certainly don't speak for the entirety of Pittsburgh. Um, and I don't feel this way about the Ravens when they won their Super Bowl. But I felt like for the, for some reason with the Capitals, like it's definitely a, a heated rivalry. You know, the games, they get pretty intense. But I always felt like the Caps were like the little brother. And now that the little brother actually like got a punch in and won their Stanley Cup, it's kind of like, look, we're still going to try our best to beat you. But there's just like that little extra inkling of respect that wasn't there before. Yeah. Because um, when I like when I was thinking about it last night, when I was watching the game, I was like, damn, the last three Stanley Cups are on the ice right now. Yeah. Like that. That's not going anywhere. Like yeah. these two teams are going to keep clobbering each other. But and again, I'm probably the only one in the whole city who feels this way, but I just felt like, you know what? I'm kind of even more intrigued to watch it now just because they've won one. And it feels like, all right, you, you brought your game up a step. That's going to make us be better. You know, we're, we're going to have to respond to that. And I, I always, I always like that aspect of it where, you know, like as much as I like to like shit on the Browns, it's actually better when your rivals are good because when you beat them, it's that much sweeter. You can only beat up on a crappy rival for so long before you, it's just a joke. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But like it was, it's one of those things where like I finally got to be that hockey fan that was like, yeah, you know what? This game didn't matter. It'll matter in April or May. And like never before have I really been able to say that as a Caps fan because always before it was like, no, this game has to matter because we're gonna fucking choke in the playoffs. So <laughs> like, it was just it was it was so again going back to what word I used before it was vindicating. It was like this wasn't so bad, but also too, this was and like you and I were texting this to each other earlier. The Penguins beat the Caps one on full rest because that was their first game of the season. Two, the Caps were coming off of a back to back. They had just played the night before at home, to showing their banner, like unfurling their banner in front of their home crowd, and just 
beat the doors off the Boston Bruins. Like, beat them like they owed them money. And, like, and then you're like, oh, hey, by the way, you are going to have to fly to Pittsburgh. You're going to arrive at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, you just finished playing a hockey game, which, honestly, I think comparatively is probably one of the most physically taxing sports out there. And now you have to play another game against, arguably, the second best team in the league. And, like, that's – and it was seven to – it wasn't, your like – rival. Yeah, and your rival. Which, yeah. You at, gotta, our, at our home opener. Yeah, you got to yep. find some way to get up and beat an amazingly talented team in their home stadium, in their home opener, and all of them are fully rested, and you managed to tie it up with two goals that were within 20 seconds of each other in the third period to tie it up to go to overtime. I'm not, I'm not mad about this at all. Like, it's like, that's really goddamn impressive that they had that much left in the tank. Like, they were on empty. You could tell. You could tell they were gassed. And somehow they still managed to score two goals to tie it at 6-6 to go into overtime. Like... In some to... ways, it felt like a, a, a playoff game. Like, it felt like yeah. a preview. Yeah. yeah, right? Like, it's... It, it's. I got a feeling they're going to play each other again in the playoffs. I kind of hope they don't. Oh, yeah. Like, I wish there was some way that we could make them meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, but it's it, it's just not how the playoff system works, so whatever. Yeah, yeah that's the, the biggest downside to the NHL playoff system. Yeah. Like... The, I think the NBA has their system right, and the the NHL's structure matches the NBA so so well. Just do it that way, you know. Just seed everybody. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm with you on that yeah, one. I agree. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I mean, like it was it was still, dude. There was I, I don't know I don't know about you, MC. I mean, I know you're you're a huge Caps fan too. Um, but like watching them raise that banner was was a little a little emotional like i definitely got a tear in my eye i was like that is awesome and uh and friend of uh ggr mark lutz was at the game and actually got pictures and was sending them to me as he That's was there awesome. so yeah it was it was really cool like it was man and like it's you're, you're almost cocky. has your boy inherited that um like is he passionate about it um not really no <laughs> Um, he's a Cavs fan because I'm a Cavs fan and that, and I'm okay with that. Um, but like for him, he, it, it's hard to see. I would think that like no nine year olds can really be that passionate about a sport, especially with this one, because if I had just started watching hockey like two or three years ago in the Caps one, I would be like, yay, Caps one, hooray. But this meant, and you can read the article on greatgeekrefuge.com. I have an article called why this meant so much talking about why it was so important for me to see the Caps win a Stanley Cup because I've been watching this team since I was six. This was a 30-year investment for me of watching them finally win a championship and having my heart broken over and over and over again. And, like, this it, this was so worth it. It was worth all those horrible losses in the playoffs just for this one year where everything came together. And if they never Great. won another one, that sucks. But you know what? At least we got one. We got this one. Yeah. We got this one, and this one was special. You're, you're damn right it was. It really <laughs> was. Um, I think we're ready if you guys are. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump in and get started. Um, for any of you out there listening, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is GGR Pirate Radio. Tonight, I've got uh, two of my favorite people uh, via the magical means of Zencaster. I've got my co-host, Steve Monick. That's this guy. I've also got our... I would say he's no longer the new guy. I'd say he's just a guy. He's just a guy that works for GGR. Um, he is our Comic-Con correspondent because he's been to more Comic-Cons than any of us combined uh, in the last year. Uh, and his name is MC Brooks. 
I'm the other guy. He's the other guy. He's that guy. Um, we are also going to be joined by Mr. James Rambo a little bit later this evening. He is at work tonight, coincidentally working at a comic book shop. Um, he will be joining us to talk about uh, season two of Iron Fist. So MC, myself, Steve, James Rambo will all be talking about season two of Iron Fist. Uh, but with our new format here, I think we're going to go ahead and start with the geek sheets. But before we do that, let's actually officially kick our show off here, guys. You are listening to GGR Pirate Radio, and we are starting right now. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists, you throw them in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same damn thing. So you just put them in the morgue. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? The great pirate Robert is here for you. Pain heals. Takes digs scars. Glory. Lasts forever. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. What's in the box? Kill her! You son of a... This is called Pirate Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and welcome to The Great Geek Refuge. This is our podcast, and it is called GGR Pirate Radio. We have got a wonderful, one, I can't even talk, geez. we have a wonderful show in store for you tonight. <laughs> Joining me uh, via the means of the internet, we've got Mr. Steve Monick, my co-host, your co-host. I, I think it will be wonderful. Wonderful. It's going to be wonderful, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a new thing. I'm just saying words now. Um, we've also got uh, GGR contributor and Comic-Con expert. His name is MC Brooks. Hello, hello. Uh, a little bit later where you are going to have uh, Mr. James Rambo joining us uh, for a little segment we like to call Don't Waste Your Time with Shitty Media. Um, we will be talking about Iron Fist Season 2 because we did have uh, – a few weeks ago we had Philip Jean-Pierre on and he talked about uh, how mediocre he felt Season 2 was. I completely disagree. Um, I thought Season 2 was wonderful. I thought it was it was extraordinarily better than the first season, um, and I really liked that they were taking some serious risks with this, doing some things that they didn't do with the comic book character. And I mean, we'll get into all of that later, um, but we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna kick things off. Uh, if you're ready, Mr. Monic, we're gonna go ahead and do the geek sheets. It's time for the geek sheets. Here's the big news this week in the geeky nerdy world. Holy crap, I remember to keep my mouth shut. That was amazing. I'm so impressed. I know. <laughs> I, I can't believe it either. I got to stop drinking before these things. So anyway. <laughs> or keep um, drinking. <laughs> so yeah, Geek Sheets for the first week of October here. And I can tell you already, like a little teaser, this upcoming week, you're going to want to check out the Geek Sheets. There was some major 
trailers and news and stuff that's dropped. So, yeah, if you like maybe our conversation tonight about the Marvel series on Netflix and that kind of stuff, just stay tuned for that. But on to this week's. Uh, we're starting off with The Dark Phoenix, what is most likely going to be the very last X-Men movie made by Fox uh, before Fox gets rolled into Disney. Um, the Dark Phoenix trailer dropped. The story seems very similar to The Last Stand. So Except, there's that. Can I can I jump in here real quick, though? I do want to make yeah. one thing because I noticed that, too. And everybody is very like, uh, we don't like where this is going. But did you notice that if you look at the synopsis, it does have to do with space this time? Yeah, and there's a little scene where they're like, uh, it's like Cyclops and Mystique. I, I can't, I don't remember who else is in the the craft, but they are like flying over Earth. Like yeah. there, and, and I mentioned that I said there's a hint of space travel. Yeah. in the article, but I I, I cannot see them do like they've already established in apocalypse that she has the phoenix force in her it's just her unbridled um powers that she's just such an omega level mutant and, and just is all powerful it has nothing to do with the emcron crystal or i know that they mentioned that the shiar empire is going to be in it in some way but like the idea that like i'm gonna see gladiator or anything like that is is probably not gonna happen um but what I found very interesting about this whole thing is even less so than the content of the trailer was Fox's timing on things. Cause you can kind of tell they're just shutting stuff down and just grabbing whatever money they can. So like two days after the trailer dropped, Fox made a statement that says, Hey, you know, that X-Men movie that's getting pushed back to the summer now. And that way we can move Alita battle angel from the holiday season. We're going to drop that in the, february where x-men was supposed to be that way we can drop a pg-13 version of deadpool 2 just in time for christmas so i mean like it just screams cash grab right yeah i mean pretty it, much but like that's the other thing too is like do they really need to have a pg-13 version of deadpool is that really something that people are clamoring for well, let me give you a long-winded explanation of that no <laughs> I just that's it. There's no other yeah. details you need. I, I'm I'm with you. Like I just I don't feel like that that's a lot something anybody is is really yeah. like, man, we need to get man, we need a PG thirteen Deadpool. Like, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think it's a cash grab for sure. Um I, I mean I don't blame them because I mean Fox, like, as far as their movie studio and all that kind of stuff, I mean they're about to be rolled up into Disney and everything like that. So I have no idea how the, the corporate structure, the money goes, but I mean I feel like it seems like anything that they already have the intellectual property rights for, they're just going to milk it until it gets absorbed. Um, Cause there's some reports out that they're hoping to get the, the deal done before the end of 2018. Uh, so I have to imagine that anything that's already like released and, and produced, there's probably going to be some language in the, in the agreement on how that's all done. Um, so it seems like they're just trying to pump some stuff out while they can. Yeah, yeah. I mean that—that's yep. kind of the vibe I've gotten from it. Um, MC, are you a big X Men fan at all? Yeah. I, 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 well, I like the first two movies of this particular run of X Men. I didn't see the last one because it didn't seem particularly interesting. Yeah. To me, and I'll be being completely honest, I I like only barely remember the second movie. 
the I really enjoyed the first one. The second one, uh, it was cool, I guess. Uh, did not see the third one, and like, there's literally nothing about this film in particular that's motivating me to want to go see it, other than maybe just seeing how they decide to just end everything. I just okay. The X Men are my favorite favorite comic book series. Period. Just full stop. That's it. Like they have been my favorite since I was a kid. Um, really? That '90s cartoon was 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 awesome. I absolutely that loved it. More than Agents of Hate. Um. Okay, so the X Men is my favorite series of all time. Agents of Hate is my favorite like arc. <laughs> okay. Because that's because that's amazing. Like that's like I'm just busting your balls. You just mentioned it on the pod a couple times. I yeah. just had to I had to get you. I appreciate that. And then also too, the Max is also one of my favorites of all time too. But yeah. Um. But the X Men, just I absolutely love the X Men. Uh, and as you mentioned in one of the articles that you wrote, um, Steve, and I can't remember which one it was, but you talk about how uh, they, you know, they would be so much better if they would stop making out with each other all the time. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what article it was now. I'm going to have to go back and look at them. But like, um, so I, I didn't have a problem with Apocalypse. I, I don't know what everybody else's deal with him was. I don't know why everybody else was like, oh, the movie was okay. Like, it was yeah it was okay it was great it was fun it was enjoyable like i don't know why everybody has to be so like so i wouldn't say picky picky's not even the right word but there's just like their level of expectations with the x-men is just like it's just i think it's unfair it's like it doesn't make sense really to be perfectly honest yeah and and to be fair uh i wouldn't even just limit that to to x-men i i think for a lot of people across various franchises, including this Venom film we're going to talk about uh, in a bit, kind of have the the same thing where they just kind of have these, like, they, it's almost like they just refuse to just enjoy something for what it is. It's like, it didn't meet, you know, whatever thing I set for it, therefore, it's awful, it sucked. Right, yeah. I, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, and that's, that's the same way I feel about it, too, is like, I just, I don't have a problem with any of them. I haven't. Like, none of them have ever been like, oh, well, the only one I didn't like was I didn't like X3. And, like, I don't even remember exactly. Oh, you know, now I know why. Okay. Um, It's actually, there's an article on GGR about it. Um, I didn't like the reason why they got rid of Cyclops. So, basically, they completely wiped Cyclops out of X3 uh, because James Marsden was going to work on uh, Superman Returns with... um, with uh what's his name brian singer thank you with brian singer so fox was mad at him but their justification for being mad at him was that cyclops who very well should have been the main hero in that story instead of wolverine because he was the one that was in love with gene like that that's just he always has been that's always been the story period they got rid of him because a fox executive says that you can't identify with a character if you can't see their eyes I'm not even joking. That was their exact, those were their exact words. Wow. So that's, that explains ready player one then. Right. Yeah. But like on top of that too, unbelievable. I'll give you, I'll give you proof to the contrary of that. You want to know what was one of the most moving emotional scenes in all of geeky nerddom ever. And you can't even see the person's face is the end of return of the Jedi. When the emperor is shocking the shit out of Luke and Darth Vader standing right next to him, watching his boss electrocute his son. 
And Luke says, Father, please. And you see Vader turn and look back and forth and back and forth between Luke and the Emperor. You can't see Vader's face, but you can see that he's torn in that moment. And it's like, you you see when he makes the decision, he's like, I- I'm, I'm going to kill this crusty old ball sack guy and throw him in the nuclear reactor. And you never even saw his face. And you're trying to tell me that James Marsden couldn't convey emotion and couldn't connect with an audience because his eyes were covered by some cool sunglasses? Come on, man. Just they were That's they were an they excellent were point. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's Fox again just just shitting on everything that they possibly can. And this is why I know a lot of people are really really worried about the whole like Disney Disney monopoly concept. And like there's a lot of people that are haters of Disney, but like honestly, get anything X-Men out of Fox's hands because they don't yes. know what they're doing. Same thing with the Fantastic Four. Same thing with Deadpool. Absolutely. Get all of those things out of their hands. They lucked into Deadpool because Ryan Reynolds saved that franchise. Absolutely. And like, it, doesn't it kind of suck that like we have a, we have an entire generation of people who have grown up thinking that the Fantastic Four are just like the worst heroes ever? Yeah. Because they've had two separate runs of terrible movies. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. And how many times have they re series? I mean, after making those movies, they've had the Fantastic Four like three, four times. They just they keep rebooting them, and like, yep. Honestly, like, and that, that's another one too. And again, maybe I'm not a harsh critic on these things. I didn't hate the Fantastic Four movies that they did. The ones with Jessica Alba, the ones with the Silver Surfer, like. Uh, the ones with Captain America as uh, the Human Torch. Like, I didn't hate I those. I agree. I thought they were okay. I thought Galactus. They're funny. I enjoyed them for what they were. They were yeah. entertaining, and and I, you know, I think they were pretty funny too. Like, I enjoyed them. I thought Galactus being a giant. Space I think it's one of the things now where the MCU has raised the bar so high now that when you go back and watch them by comparison, you're like, yeah, it doesn't look as good, and. You know, there's not the continuity and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, at the time, it was fine. Yeah, it just yep. – the whole thing was just kind of ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, if you guys want to kind of read along, uh, all of those out there listening in internet radio land, uh, go to greatgeekrefuge.com and click on articles, and you'll see uh, the Geek Sheets right there. And it's uh, it says Geek Sheets, uh, first week of October. And it's got a really cool um, newspaper – uh, front page that I made for uh, for our geek sheets now, um, and I make a couple of digs at Steve in there. Um, I make mention that the Steelers are not deservedly good. so. Yeah, I said Steelers not good. Monica's sad. Um, <laughs> but like you know, uh, oh okay. Side note with the X Men trailer, you know what I'm excited about? Uh, the blue and yellow uniforms. Yes. Like you know, it's it's been interesting too because. Like people have been ro- have been roasting uh, those uniforms online for like since since uh, the trailer dropped, and I, I kind of haven't really understood why. Yeah, I think they're cool. I don't care. Like <laughs> it, it's they're superheroes. They're supposed to look cool. They don't have to be like hip and edgy and wear black leather like they did in the first X Men movie, where it was kind of a confusing. It's like, are they superheroes or are they into bondage? Like I didn't know what was going on with that. Like it's. I, who cares? It's supposed to be fun. Like, let people have fun. And it's, it, it, again, I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole, like, thing we've talked about a million times on the show is, like, like the internet. We can't have nice things because of the internet because somebody will always try to ruin it and be mad and pissed off. And I just, I just imagine, like, everybody on the internet always watching every movie trailer with their arms crossed. 
like just just with like a scowl on their face, just constantly angry, looking for something to be pissed off about. And it's like, just just enjoy something once. It's okay. Like you can enjoy things. No one's gonna stop you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't get the sport of of just hate watching all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Side side note, I have been um, and I've been waiting to hate it, and I haven't yet. Um, but supposedly the worst Star Trek series that was ever created was Star Trek Enterprise. Supposedly. And I started watching it from the first episode. And I, I don't necessarily hate it yet. And I'm waiting for the moment where I'm like, this is awful. And it just, it hasn't been yet. It's been, it's been okay. It's kind of cool. It's interesting. Like you get to see like their first interactions with things and like all those things that you normally took took it uh took for granted in star trek where it was like oh hey we know these people and they have a universal translator so we know everything that they're saying or they speak english something to that effect that hasn't happened yet so there's like a lot of these weird moments where like they run into klingons and the klingons are yelling stuff in klingon and they're like oh my god what is this angry dude saying to me like it's it's <laughs> it's kind of cool there, there's some really there's some really awesome scenes there and um but again, too, I mean, like, I might get into season two and it might be utter garbage, but I, you know, I, I'm going to give it a shot at least, so. But that's the thing. You're giving it a shot. Yeah. And I, I think that's where a lot of it comes from is, is uh, you know, people are so presuppositional. They're just like, I've already decided this is terrible and I hate it. Now let's go find the things that prove that it's terrible and I, I should hate it. Yeah, and really, like, doing it backwards, too, because it should be the other way around. Like, it should be, like, watch the thing at first, and if you have a reason to dislike it, dislike it. But most people are like, I'm going to dislike it, and then I will find things to support the decision that I've already made about this movie, which is just, yeah, like you said, it's just total total garbage. What can you do? It's the internet. Basically, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, overall, I, I'm gonna, I'll probably end up seeing it. Like, I saw Apocalypse. Um, I just... Apparently, it's not going to be until, like, next year sometime if they don't push it back again, so. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be June, if I'm remembering correctly, slash reading very quickly through my paragraph here. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I'll see it. I love Chris Claremont's stuff yeah. as far as the X-Men goes, like the storylines that he did. And um, Dark Phoenix is, I mean, it's a hallmark. I mean, I, I promise you, if you go on any credible website and go – Hundred greatest comic storylines of all time. I promise you, Dark Phoenix is in the top twenty somewhere. Yeah. So it, it, it's great source material. So I mean, there's, it, it. I think that's another reason why people are so inclined to hate it. It's because it's like, oh, I don't know if I trust you with this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like uh, giving giving a, a nine year old like a Fabergé egg. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it might be pretty cool to watch, but like, there's a good chance they're gonna drop and break. <laughs> <laughs> It might be fun to watch. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this kid shatter this this glass and jewel egg. It's going to be so fucking cool. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The, the Fox's X-Men is a nine-year-old carrying a Fabergé egg. <laughs> hey, hey, but they're handing it over to the, the capable hands of Disney, who's like, all right, all right, all right, that's enough of that. Give me the Fabergé egg, you idiot. Quit screwing up all these comic book movies. <laughs> He's that nine-year-old kid's cool uncle who just, like, rode in on a motorcycle with a sick leather jacket. They're like, hand that egg to me, bro. 
I got it. Don't worry about it. Come on. Let's go get ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, X-Men. Let's get ice cream. Because X-Men is the little kid, right? Yeah, of course. All right. So let's, tran- let's transition. The next story, a little bit of a downer, uh, a little bit of a bummer. Um, yeah. But like at the same time, too, I mean, the dude was 78. I think that if you get into your 70s, you, you, you led a pretty good life. I think that like it's it's sad just because anytime somebody dies it's sad. But like Gary Kurtz um, passed away at the age of seventy eight. Um, Steve, who is Gary Kurtz? Yeah, he's a name that most people may not just immediately recognize. Your hardcore Star Wars fans will though. He was the producer on the first two Star Wars films, that being A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. He also predated that working with Lucasfilm on on George Lucas's first studio film, uh, American Graffiti, um, and uh, he was influential in so many different ways. Working with Lucas, working with the studios, getting these sort of things done. Um, unfortunately, when it got time to Return of the Jedi, and, and it, I, it was Yuli, I believe, when we were talking last, and we stumbled into the conversation about Star Wars and marketing and 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 toys um and and how that ended up kind of being the driving force and that's what ended up driving a little bit of a wedge between uh gary kurtz and and george lucas when return of the jedi came around is he kind of saw like hey these ewoks like these are just for toys right and and it doesn't really make a the most sense story-wise and it just kind of became a creative difference thing um but he ended up having a pretty great career thereafter. Uh, he worked with Frank Oz and Jim Henson, who that was some connections that I believe were made while working on Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, yeah. Frank Oz voiced Yoda, and I believe Jim Henson and his production company was very um, involved in the creation of the Dagobah set and working with um, the actors to get you know that that whole scene. And if you watch the behind the scenes, it's kind of cool. All of Dagobah's like lifted up on these like wooden platforms, uh, so that you know Frank Oz and, and everything is underneath doing Yoda, and, and you can't even tell. It's it's really really beautiful the way it's done. Um, but they did the Dark Crystal together, and at the time it kind of came out the same time ET was out, so no one gave a crap about the Dark Crystal because ET was just smashing everything. But that ended up being a really cult classic movie oh yeah um in in the most truest sense of the word yeah and i think i mean um so i think for good sorry yeah no i was just gonna say the dark crystal was was definitely a yeah i think cult classic is is a perfect example yeah um it's like one of those films it's just it ends up being better than you realize it was at the time because no one was talking about it because something else was, was was just kicking ass at the time um, or something else was a bigger story or whatever, and those always hit from time to time. Um, but I think it's safe to say that um, without Gary Kurtz, we really wouldn't have geeked them the way we do now because he was so influential on allowing Star Wars and Empire, which Empire might even be as much of a cornerstone as, as uh, New Hope is by itself, but those two films don't happen without Gary Kurtz and without those two films. I mean, think about the, if you're thinking of like all of nerddom as a tree of life, I mean, that's pretty close to the the trunk. You know what I mean? There's so many branches that, that stem off of the star Wars universe, both 
in universe and things that were influenced by it that i mean our whole world would look very different from a pop culture uh, perspective without them yeah for sure for sure um and, and it just really like really to like you said to yuli mentioned this um i think it's crazy that that was the reason why he was like, you know what, I'm 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 bailing on Return of the Jedi. Was you're you're too focused on toys and <laughs> and, and and marketing this and like let's, um, yeah. I mean, he was like artistic integrity. What about that? And Lucas is like, nah, man, fucking toys, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he was so jaded by like the studio system. Like, yeah. to a degree, I can see George Lucas's side because I mean, without how popular like the merchandise was you know he george lucas wouldn't have been able to finance you know the other star wars movies he wouldn't have been able to build like the empire he was like it really was a a deal where look just we need more money to finish star wars i'll basically sell off my royalties just let me have like i don't know the toy rights you know he had the the vision to do that and then it just became to the point where that became instead of the compensation that became the main focus. And that's where that line kind of got crossed for Gary Kurtz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I mean, ultimately like Lucas can laugh at all the way to the bank because I mean, he sold the star Wars and Lucas arts franchise for what, how many or Lucas film franchise for what, how many billions of dollars? Yeah. Yeah. So, Four billion dollars later, I, I think that he kind of came out on top of the whole thing. You know, I'm sure Gary Kurtz can can live with his, or not anymore. Ugh, yikes, awkward. Um, he can live with. His... <laughs> Come on, man! You can't do that. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, <laughs> I think Gary Kurtz will be able to hold with him through all of eternity on whatever plane he exists on, his artistic integrity. Um, but four million dollars is four million dollars. And say what you will about George Lucas. Billion. But yeah. Four billion. Yeah. Say what you will about Lucas, man. But he he knew knew how to make a buck. And George Lucas is a known name. Gary Kurtz, not so much. And that's what stinks because he did bring a lot of legitimacy to those movies. And especially with um like he was really influential with the first Star Wars movie too. Um because the the studio was all over them on both those movies because they were over they were over time and they were over budget, and Kurtz was just like, listen, just chill with this. This is going to be the right thing. And and like you said, he got jaded with the whole with the whole concept of it because the studio system just really kind of pissed him off. And um, yeah, I mean, it stinks to think that like something like that you can enjoy so very much, but then also essentially have to bail on the whole industry because of it. I mean, like he did do some other stuff. Like you said, he worked, he only worked with like basically like his best friends after that. Yeah. He did a couple other films. I'm trying to remember. I didn't write them in the article. I'm trying to, I think there was the, what was it? Um, like Nemo and Slumberland or something like that. Yeah. Which I remember that. Movie um, as a, I remember that cartoon movie as a kid and it was really And he cool. worked, yeah. He worked with Mark Hamill on another movie. I am blanking. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, um, we're going to kind of dovetail here for a second while we're waiting for uh, Mr. MC Brooks to come back and rejoin us. Um, there was something really, really interesting that, that when I was reading kind of uh, Kurtz's obituary, uh, obituary that I wanted to talk to you about since we're both Star Wars like nerds to the 10th million power. Um, it talks about the original script concept that he 
wanted for Return of the Jedi that Lucas didn't want because Lucas wanted this like hypoglycemic, happy-go-lucky story where everybody was happy in the end. There was a big party and like barbecue roasted stormtroopers and all sorts of stuff. Um, but like, I want to talk about this story. Like, you've you've read this original concept that they had for Star for Return of the Jedi, right? I believe so. Okay. Refresh my memory. Okay, so the basic premise was, like, Han Solo dies on Endor. Like, so he has his... Yeah. Yeah, he has his romantic moment with Leia in Empire Strikes Back. They have this burgeoning love, and then he ends up dying. And that's what Harrison Ford wanted, too. That's why, if you watch interviews with him after after Return of the Jedi came out, I can't remember what other movie it was. There was another movie that came out, and he was on talking about that movie with David Letterman, right? And Letterman brings up... Um, Return of the Jedi, and Ford is pissed. Like, you can tell that he doesn't want to talk about it. And he's like, listen, he's like, I, I didn't like where they went with my character. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. The original script had me dying, and then now I'm still alive, and it kind of pisses me off. And, like, it was part of the reason why they killed him in um, in uh, The Force Awakens, because that's what he wanted. He was like, would you just kill Han Solo already? Um but also, too, Luke was not supposed to be, like, happy-go-lucky after having to kill his, like, essentially fight his father to the death and then his father dying just after he redeemed himself. Um, he basically, like, walks off into the sunset and just disappears. And Kurtz was way more in tune with that story, felt that it was a better fit. It made more sense, where Lucas was like, no, that's not going to sell toys, man, so we got to do the other ending. Um and I kind of, I would have liked to have seen the darker ending. I think it would have been kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, when I, I know they did that. Gosh, you're gonna kick my butt on this. That like, what if series for Star Wars? Was it Galaxies or Star Wars? What was it? Uh, Star Wars Infinities, I think. But anyway, they did they did like Infinities. That's what it was. And they did the Return of the Jedi one, where like Darth Vader doesn't die, and he has like the white Darth Vader. Yeah, but that was so lame. Outfit. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It so was, lame. and so like, part of my brain is thinking that where you're saying like, there's the dark ending where Han dies, but like, Luke redeems Vader, and Vader just wanders off, and then he comes back in his like '70s Saturday Night Fever <laughs> Darth Vader <laughs> outfit. Yeah, and I'm thinking like that would be terrible, but then there's a lot of ways they could go with it, where that kind of ending where Vader just goes into seclusion or something like that. And that would be very interesting with the current sequel trilogy if it was Vader was still alive. Yeah. Like, so many different stories could be happening. Yeah, I mean, and the, the Infinity's line was really, really cool, too, because, like, there, uh, the Return of the Jedi one was kind of lame because it was like, oh, let's put Vader in a white suit. Like, no, man. Like, first off, with where he's been and where he's gone, you can't keep him alive. You You can't. Regardless of what... He oh oh now I'm good. You still murdered thousands and thousands of people. You were responsible for essentially creating the empire. This is your fault, asshole. Like you don't just get to walk away and now be a good guy and we all get to hang out and have a party. No. First off, you you can't party with us because you can't eat or drink anything because of your walking iron lung that you're in. But like no no he had to die. Period. Like it's it, it was he. Yeah, it was symbolic for a bunch of reasons. You keep him alive and it ruins the story. But anyways. The cool one that they did was was uh, was uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back, because Luke dies on Hoth, on Empire Strikes Back, and Han and Leia escape on the Falcon, and Obi Wan's voice speaks to 
Leia saying that she has to go to um, that she has to go to Dagobah. And they end up crossing over in Cloud City, but they get to uh, Lando before um, Darth Vader does. So Lando actually ends up freezing Boba Fett in carbonite. So that was kind of cool. And like turns him into a coffee table. And it was just, it was, it was really kind of neat. Yeah. Um, but then a really neat scene is Darth Vader ends up grabbing C-3PO. And because he was the one who created C-3PO, he basically hacks him and finds the information of where Leia went, that Leia's on Dagobah. And Vader goes to Dagobah. And Leia's been training the whole time to become a Jedi. And basically, it's Vader versus Yoda. And Yoda doesn't even, like, fight him in a normal stand, uh, stand, uh, standard way. He ends up going inside his brain. And, like, they fight in, like, in his mind. And it's a really awesome fight because basically, like, Vader ends up taking on – or Yoda ends up taking on Vader – but then taking on Anakin, and then he ends up finding child Anakin. And he's just like, you know, there's this uh, the scared little boy that I knew, you know. And he's like, well, can you save me, Master? Can you save me? And he's like, yes. And then, like, Annie, like little Annie Skywalker, his eyes turn black like Vader's. And he's like, you fool. And then, like, in real life, like, Vader chops him in half. And then, like, Leia, Leia comes in and, like, like, slashes Vader's arm off. And, like, he dies. And, like... It, it was just a really cool story that they did with it. And she had a purple lightsaber too, which was badass. So, and I remember it being kind of dark too, because like without Luke being alive, like the rebels get wasted in in yeah. Hoth even more so. Like they they don't get any of the transports away. Only like the little crew on the Falcon seems to get away. And then after Vader shows up at at Cloud City, they like they bomb Cloud City out of the sky. Yeah. Like a lot of people die in these infinities. <laughs> yeah. Um, even the original one, the new hope one was interesting too, because in the new hope one they had, um, so Luke gets off the shot, right? And it goes right down the reactor, but the proton torpedo misfires and it doesn't explode. So the death star is crippled, but can still function and basically wipes out the Yavin base. And like the rebels are on the run. They capture princess Leia but Luke ends up going and doing his, his Jedi training with Yoda and they go to Coruscant and the Death Star becomes the Peace Star, basically. It's like the defender of peace and stuff like that. So like they go to uh, Coruscant, Yoda goes with them and Luke defeats Vader, saves um, Leia and the Emperor is like, oh Yoda, so you've come back, you know, why won't you face me like a man? And Yoda's like, is like on my way I am. And basically he's commandeered the Death Star and he crashes the Death Star into Coruscant and destroys destroys the Emperor. But mind you, kills probably like, I don't know, three million people. No big deal. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was just. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, the entire planet's a city. So, yeah, exactly. you know, something like 9-11 knocked out 3,000. That was two buildings. Can yeah. you imagine what an entire planet would be like? Exactly. Yeah. Billions. Yeah, that's no moon. That's a space station. Yeah, exactly. Plus, like, plus the dude's on the Death Star. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, he didn't care at this point. You know, he's old and crusty. <laughs> when 900-year-old you reach, look as good you will not as you commit a terrorist act and kill <laughs> Give a crap, you will not. <laughs> Give a crap, you will not. Who cares about innocent life? Um, so <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I, as a kid, Return of the Jedi was great. As an adult, I would have liked to have seen that darker edge. But I feel like they did that with the current trilogy that we're seeing. They're, they're starting to do that. I mean, 
you saw the rebels basically like or the resistance they're down to like six people like six people and two droids and that's it and that's pretty grim and then not only that like your biggest hero of all time uh disappeared in a puff of smoke like it that's that's a pretty grim way to end a movie and um while we're waiting for uh, mc to come back um, let's talk a little bit more about Star Wars too, because I don't know if you, you're reading any of this stuff that I'm seeing, but apparently there's talk, and I don't, I won't believe it until I actually see it. But there's a lot of talk that apparently J.J. Abrams wasn't happy with what Ryan Johnson did in um, uh, the Last Jedi, and he's going to retcon a bunch of it, which I think is total nonsense. But have you have you read any of this stuff yet, Steve? Yeah, and I can't say that I'm a hundred percent surprised, yeah. just based on J.J. Abrams. Like he likes to set up the long game like i'm gonna drop this crap right at the beginning and then you're not gonna find out what this is and there's gonna be little twists and turns along the way you think you know what it is it isn't i I, i've watched all of lost i am familiar with jj abrams game um and i think that ryan johnson just gone yeah i don't care about any of that stuff i'm just gonna make like a movie that's this movie and it moves the the players along even though where they move themselves is kind of in a circle, they don't really gain anything other than experience. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised that JJ Abrams is going to go back and try and turn it all back into whatever original little vision that he had for it. I just don't understand why he didn't direct the second one. I then, thought, you know? okay. Like, if this is such a thing where he's like, oh, well, this is, doesn't match my vision, then why the hell didn't you direct it? You see what, you, do you see what I'm saying? Was that his decision? I don't know. I don't know whose decision it was. Was it Kathleen Kennedy's? If it, if it was, that would make a little more sense. I'm going to have to look that up because I honestly don't remember. I probably knew it one time, but I'm looking I can't it up right for now. life me remember. Here we go. Why did J.J. Abrams not direct Last Jedi? Though it was initially reported that Johnson would also write the follow-up uh, to The Last Jedi, it is actually director J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio that are in charge of the script for Episode Nine. However, before Johnson returned to the franchise, he will direct the, the recently announced Murder Mysteries Knives Out. Well, this doesn't help me at all. Thanks, Wikipedia. Worthless. Oh, when you first said, let's talk a little bit more about Star Wars, yeah. I thought you were going to talk about uh, John Favreau's series. Oh, that's next. Oh, here it is. He only planned on directing one. So Abrams never intended to do the whole trilogy. The only reason that he came back to do nine was because Colin Trevorrow dropped out. So that's interesting. Yeah, and I remember that was like a whole thing where he was like, "I don't like working with Disney," and then every, and then everyone's like, "You're out of here." <laughs> yeah, basically. And like I've seen, a, I've seen a couple of people that happened to Edgar Wright too when he was working on Ant Man, and Ant Man actually ended up being a really good movie. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure, and like I understand that like. And maybe, again, you know, we, we're going to need, like, a geek psychologist to come in because I really want to know what the psychology <laughs> is behind this of, like, why people have to um, – well, Disney's evil and, and they're doing this and they're ruining this and, and because of that, like, I don't – I can't be associated with them. Like, you do realize that all of these companies are out to make money, right? Like, that's the goal. It's called the film industry for a reason. Like, it's – I, I don't know what they ex what they're really expecting. I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with Kurt's um, artistic integrity versus making billions of dollars. Like, 
there's a, I think there's a balancing act there, but at the same time, like, can you really fault Disney for wanting to make more money off of these things? And at the end of no, the day... No, because, I mean, A... Oh, good. I was going to say, and at the end of the day, the money-making aspect is always going to come over the artistic integrity. Like, these companies may care on some level, but at the end of the... The bottom line is the bottom line, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, and, and welcome back, by the way. Um, so while you while you were gone, uh, we were talking a little bit about Star Wars because there's been a couple of cool things that have been announced. Uh, a couple of cool things that we've just been talking about. Like, apparently there's been discussion that J.J. Abrams might actually go back and retcon some of the decisions that Ryan Johnson made in The Last Jedi. I personally don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think that that's the kind of style that J.J. Abrams has when it comes to directing. Um, but, like, I just... I think really what we're going to see is, is that Luke isn't really dead in the way that we think he is. Is this? He was so powerful in the Force. He was able to project an image of himself across the fucking galaxy. So him, quote-unquote, dying, I don't think means what it means. I mean, we saw Yoda come back, and he had the power to create lightning. So I think that Luke is going to come back, and it's going to be a lot more of just, just like a blue ghost like there was in the original trilogies. I, I, that's what I think is really going to end up being what happens. Um, I, don't, I don't think that they're going to retcon it and be like, oh, Luke's not actually dead. It turns out that that was his clone that died. No, I, I really think it's just going to be that Luke is so powerful that even his force essence is, is, a, is badass enough to like knock Kylo Ren on his ass. And I think that's really what it's going to be. Because basically the story that I was reading was saying that they're building entire set pieces for scenes with just Luke, scenes with Luke and Rey, scenes with Luke, Rey, and Kylo, and scenes with Luke and Kylo individually. So, like, I think we're going to see a lot more, but that's the other thing. For all we know, it's going to be flashbacks with him and Kylo, or he's training mm. Rey through Force Ghost, whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I was just, I was telling MC, because I saw you dropped off for a second, Steve, that, like, I think that it's not going to be a retcon. I think it's just going to be that Luke was so powerful that he um, he can exist as a force ghost and essentially we saw him project himself where he was able to touch people. He kissed Leia on the forehead. He handed her those dice. He touched C-3PO and none of them were like, oh, he's a hologram. So I think he's that powerful is that he's going to show up as a force ghost and still be a badass. Yeah, we haven't really explored too deeply into what exactly force ghost can and can't do. Yeah. Like, we know they can communicate with people, and Yoda was kind of, like, phasing to different locations, like, in his little conversation. Like, he, like, appeared and disappeared in different yeah. spots, so it seemed like he had control over his location. And he summoned you lightning. Know. Yeah, yeah, he summoned lightning. It's Because, I mean, like, you really saw, like, Obi-Wan walking around and sitting on logs, and then you saw the, the three force ghosts at the end of jedi but i mean it's really just been nothing more than an expository device i i kind of yeah i think i would kind of buy the idea that a force ghost could do more if they were more in tune with the force like luke is yeah i mean because luke not luke understood the balance of the force more than any prior jedi really had explained you know like his line where he's like he's like it's vanity to think that the force can only be wielded by jedi he's like he's like and that's the nature of the force is that there is no dark there is no light it's just the force and you need both to exist so i, I think he really gets it and that's gonna 
be why he's going to be such a badass in this next movie, even though he's quote-unquote dead. You want to hear a retcon that blew my mind with how it was like, if that ended up happening, I would, I might be done with Star Wars. Oh God, what is it? So obviously you're relatively familiar with Revan yeah. and how he was able to like disassociate his like physical body yeah. from his spirit. Yeah. Um, based on his like dark and light sides. Yeah. There was a, a theory running around that that's who Snoke is. And Snoke is the physical manifestation of Darth Vader's dark side. And then there's an Anakin Force ghost that'll be walking around, which is his light side. And that's what we saw at the end of Return of the Jedi. What? So Luke, like, burned up a body, but the dark side was so powerful that, like, his dark side is holding that, like, broken, disgusting body together. And that's what Snoke is. That's the, that I, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I was like... Yeah, all of the elements are there where it's like technically you could make that the story. I know that it's but not that's your a theory. perfect example of could not yeah. should. I know that it's not your theory, but I'm, this, it deserves this sound effect. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. Yeah, no, that's no. What, whichever one of you nerd trolls came up with that horrible theory, just stop. Like your internet privileges have been revoked. You are no longer allowed to talk about Star Wars on the internet. Good day, sir. I feel like that just kind of fundamentally misunderstands Anakin. Right? It doesn't work like that because you can't separate the... T Fuck. So, I'm mad now. <laughs> you Especially... Well, okay. And let's... I'm going to use this as a transition. Yeah, so okay. um, there was an episode of Star Wars Rebels yeah. that is a hallmark for like diehard fans where Anakin and Obi-Wan go to this place. Or Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Clone Wars, not Rebels. I'm sorry. Um, and there's these Force entities there, and it's very, very interesting because it's something you really hadn't seen too much before or talked about too much. Um, and it the whole episode is basically one big metaphor for Anakin because there's like the brother and sister, and the brother is like completely obviously a dark side sister's light side and then like the father who is basically supposed to be the force is the is the thing in between and anakin kind of proves that he's the chosen one because he has the ability to affect both the brother and the sister yeah like he 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 can kind of control because they have these dragon forms again it's 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 huge this one big metaphor it's really really well done um and so the whole point is that he is kind of both yeah um and so I thought that was one of the more beautiful poetic things that was done. And that was part of the Clone Wars directed by Dave Filoni. Yeah. Who is also going to be the director of the first episode of John Favreau's new Star Wars show, The Mandalorian. Oh, wait, you didn't even let me do the segue. Well done, Steve. <laughs> so slick. Yeah. No. yeah um, so that's what the show's called. Um some of the rumors that I had heard and written about in the geek sheets a couple weeks ago looks like they are true. Um, yeah, the Mandalorian so the, stories, yeah. It, yeah, it's going to be about a Mandalorian. So some of the stuff that was floating out there is it was going to take place on like a Mandalorian colony or Mandalore itself or something. And it was going to be about them rebuilding their culture post Return of the Jedi. 
Well, it is post Return of the Jedi, but it seems like it's just going to be this one dude who's, and it's going to take more of the scum and villainy route uh, for the whole the whole show, where it's just very gritty, going to planets, dealing with seedy people. Um, but they have a bunch of different directors doing episodes. So Dave Filoni, who did Clone Wars and Rebels, he's hitting up one. Uh, Deborah Chow, who did Jessica Jones. Uh, let's see. Bryce Dallas Howard's doing one. And one I'm very happy about Taika Waititi who did, uh, (laughs) Thor Ragnarok and what, uh, what they do in shadows and stuff like that. It's he's, he's a personal favorite of mine. I just hope he's a Korg is directing star Wars. I hope he's a character in one of them. (laughs) Like just, he was, he was hilarious as Korg. So I just think it would be great if he was like a character, just like interacting with like Boba Fett or whoever it ends up being this, whatever Mandalorian it ends up being. And there is a picture out there. So obviously this is a audio format media, but um, if you go out there and just type the Mandalorian or go on John Favreau's Twitter, um, there's a picture out there and it's, yeah, it's a Mandalorian. He's, he's kind of like got a brown tan aesthetic going on, but um, pretty excited to see where this thing goes. And I know a huge swath of the Star Wars fan base is like, I really only care about Mandalorians. I just think it's going to be cool. Like I'm normally of the Jedi persuasion. Like I like stories involving the Jedi, but like, I just think it'll be cool to see something different and like a, a Western themed. Cause that's just kind of the vibe that I get is this is going to be like a gunslinger type of thing. And I think that's kind of badass. I agree. I mean, I feel like there's four factions of star Wars fans as far as the part of star Wars they like. So there's the dudes who like, I shouldn't say dudes. The the people who like the mystical Jedi stuff the most. There's the people who like the military war combat. Oh, this is the, the strategic moves they did on the, the ground forces or here's your airstrike, blah, blah, blah. There's the people who like the kind of smuggler, grimy, everyday people. The people who are really kind of more into Rogue One more than anything else. And then I think there's the people who really like the old Republic stuff where it was like, there's these, I don't want to say it's like game of Thrones, but it's, it has, there's these diverse cultures and they have their kind of thing that is their thing. And then they're all interacting with each other, making power plays. And then there's this secret Sith army. And so there's the people like who like the Starks or like the Lannisters in game of Thrones. There's the people like, I really like the Mandalorians in star Wars. Um, like my buddy Charlie, he does not really care much about what happens post Jedi, but pre prequels and all this old Republic. I mean, the dude is like an encyclopedia on Revan's history and everything that happened there. Cause that's the version of star Wars he likes the most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's gonna be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for the next clone wars too. I think the, the fact that they're redoing clone wars just means I have to go through and finish watching the animated series. So. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about um, let's talk about that a little bit too, because like a really interesting thing happened. A lot of people were mad that Disney shut down the Clone Wars, but what they're missing with all of that was Disney didn't have control of the Clone Wars before. It was it was Cartoon Networks. So by shutting it down and giving time for that contract to expire, what they were able to do was get control back over it 
and now it's a Disney product, which means they're going to be able to put more resources into it. Because let's be honest, Turner was not putting the kind of resources into a Star Wars thing that they didn't get actually any money from like Disney will be able to. So I think that this is actually a good thing. It sounds awful because, oh, God, we didn't get to see it when it was happening, but it's going to end up being a good thing in the long run. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Um, did you end up finishing Rebels? Yeah. Okay, so you, okay, so we can actually talk about this, because I, I can't remember when we last talked about it, but I think I finished it before you did. Um, of the two, which did you enjoy more, Rebels or Clone Wars? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think I probably lean more Clone Wars than, than Rebels. Rebels yeah. was really good as far as the Jedi stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, there was a lot of Jedi stuff in Clone Wars and everything like that, but they did a really good job of balancing it out. Rebels just felt more like, hey, it's this little crew and we're going to have these adventures with Kanan and, and Ezra. Um, I just liked how much world building Clone Wars did out of prequels that were lackluster, whereas Rebels was able to play off of the established trilogy a little bit more. So I guess if I'm going to use anything, that's the tiebreaker I'll use. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, and I can see that too. I, I really enjoyed, you know, I got to say I liked Rebels more overall, but I've, I've really enjoyed Clone Wars from what I've seen. I'm, I'm up to like season, uh, I'm trying to remember the last. Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm up to the point where, um, uh, Savage Opress goes looking for, um, Darth Maul because apparently he's not dead and he finds him but he's all like crazy and weird and he's like got like a spider body or something nonsense like that um, yeah things are getting real weird there with yeah. with like Dathomir and, and the witches oh yeah the night sisters and well, stuff and that, yeah, was from the, that was from the books too they took that from the EU um, I don't know if you remember that or not mm -hmm. but yeah that was that was one of the books that they had written as the, the night sisters were a thing and I, I really enjoyed that portion of it and i really liked what they did with maul and with um i don't like savage oppress because it's just like oh i'm big and i'm strong and i'm scary but i don't really know that much about the force so whatever and apparently he can beat other people who are way better with the force that doesn't make any sense to me but like it, it's fine whatever it makes the story go forward and i'm sure that he's going to get owned in the end because i haven't seen him in any of the stuff afterwards so <laughs> i won't tell you anything yeah. one way or the other okay um but yeah, like Clone Wars is all right. It's it's fun for the most part, but like I really enjoy. Um, I, I think I enjoyed Rebels more. Um, Rebels is definitely better as far as characters, yeah, because you stay with a, a, a stronger core uh, of characters. Even the villains. I mean, obviously bringing Thrawn in for multiple seasons. Um, even like the Imperials that you see, you're seeing the same villains yeah. throughout the entire show um clone wars i mean you're jumping from different clone factions different jedi masters from from episode to episode um obviously obi-wan and anakin and ahsoka are, are you know riddled throughout the entire thing but there are times where they're not in an episode and that's fine yeah they they, they tell a good story without them um the, the good crossover was um that episode of rebels where they fight the the droids Oh yeah, yeah. Because the and they have like the final battle of the Clone Wars. Yeah, because Rex showed. Yeah, because Rex and um, I can't remember the other guys that were with Rex on the. Uh, they were. I can't remember what planet it was. I'm gonna have to go back and watch Rebels again. I really enjoyed that. Um, and that particular episode was really cool too because it had a very like Star Trek two vibe to it, because um, they're 
in they're fighting the M the Empire and the Empire has the walkers, but there's a dust storm. So basically they're like fighting blind and Rex ends up like blowing away one of the um, Imperial walkers by basically using the same tactic that Kirk used in uh, Star Trek 2 where it's like hide and wait for the person to pass over you and then blow them away. Rex ends up being pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Rex. And I like the fact that he was like, he's old and he's out of shape, but he's, he was, yeah. Like, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of his character. But, like, I also, I, I liked that there's this thing going on with the clones where it's like, yeah, okay, so we're all genetically identical, but we have our own individuality. And you see some of them, like, one of them was a deserter. And he was, like, living on a planet and he wanted a family. And, like, yeah, yeah. That was a really good episode. And I think it's it's pretty cool, too, because even though they're genetically identical and they had the same kind of training at the beginning, like when they're out, you know, and even when they're doing different, you know, combat trainings and stuff like they're not getting the same experience. So, I mean, it just kind of yeah. plays off the whole like nature nurture thing. It's like, yeah. look, we can even, you know, we have twins in our real world that for all intents and purposes are genetically identical, but they're different people they're they're, yeah. they're individual souls so yeah um i kind of like that aspect of it um and they really do get into like the first season's kind of like the the movie have you ever watched the actual clone wars movie no because it looked really bad and cheesy and i never watched it but it, it's definitely made for for a younger audience you know i mean that that was their market i think they thought hey we'll just make this one-off thing because we got this property and there's this period that they've never made a star wars movie in and let's just let's just go crazy with it and then they're like hey this sold better than we thought let's make a tv series and so the first season is very much in that same tone but then once yeah. they saw like oh little kids aren't watching this old bearded adults are watching this i guess we can do some more serious stuff with it and then from season two on they really ratchet up some of the more thematic stories the more heart-wrenching stories you know certain people that like oh yeah oh what was that episode where like there was like the deformed clone and he took care of the base oh yeah 99 and he like, and he, yeah. like sacrificed himself for the other clones and he's yeah. like yeah that dude was a soldier through and through even though he wasn't like physically abled oh yeah yeah the, the guy who was like the janitor basically yeah yeah that was really cool i really enjoyed that that episode it's like it's a kid's show and they're dropping that kind of stuff in there yeah yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it come back because we can finally, like, they can really tie it to episode three and really give us some 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 closure with it, too. Because like you said, like, when you really think about it, it's like who won the Clone Wars, you know, the Republic or the um, the Separatists? Well, neither. The Empire won, you know? So it was like, it, it was a weird thing. Like, so technically, I guess the Republic won because they defeated both of the generals because they took out uh, Dooku and they took out, um, they took out uh, Grievous. Grievous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was the whole thing is, is like Palpatine's like, kind of don't care who wins. Cause I'm playing both sides of this thing. And it just ended up being that with the Republic winning was easier for him to consolidate power. So the clone wars just kind of went away when its purpose was served. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it, the whole thing, like, it, it was that kind of sucks too when you think about it. That, like, basically, the reason why the reason why the war ended up ending the way it did was because they were all getting played. So, pretty, pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, so, let's go ahead and uh, we'll move on to our next 
topic here. And our next topic is... So it's a movie that actually just came out today, um, which has been causing quite... Actually, it's been getting really good reviews, too. Um, and that's... Has it? I heard it was getting not good reviews. The, what, Venom? Yeah. Um, the only things that I've seen is, is like... I, well, now I'm curious. Shoot. Um, I heard that, like, Rotten Tomatoes... I'll check. I thought Rotten Tomatoes it was, like, in, like, the 20s or something. Uh, I know that Phil, uh, Philip Jean-Pierre, reviewed it, and he put it on GGR, so I'm going to check that out right now, actually. Um, and, and again, for whatever you value Rotten Tomatoes at, I know there's people that, you know, spit on a Rotten Tomatoes score. They don't care what it says. Yeah, this is very true, yeah. Um, I'm curious now, too. Like, either way, like, it's... It's another comic book movie, and it's another one that we're all going to want to see. I mean, I want to see it. I don't care what really any of them say about the reviews. Um, I think Venom looks cool. No, I never have. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a look. Um, There's nothing I care less about than, like, Academy Awards or, like, critic reviews. Yeah, me too. I I trust my my friend's opinion on a movie because typically my friends, we have similar tastes. So if they didn't like something, there's a decent chance me as an individual wouldn't like it as much. But like a critic, you know, writing a review isn't necessarily going to sway me one way or the other. I'm trying to see what Phil's. Uh, Venom is a sad bag of fail that will weigh, da- weigh you down like Santa Claus's satchel of anti-gifts. However, as you watch this calamity, a certain zen calm showers your soul because this is a freedom that comes after the realization that at some point even the writers just said fuck it to this movie <laughs> wow really yeah it's got a 31% currently on Rotten Tomatoes wow for that's... those who value that but the audience score is an 88 so I mean I don't know I, it's probably one of those things where like the critics are like I don't get it because he's a big gross black goo monster who eats people and fans are like exactly I love that yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess, I guess we'll see. Like, MC, any any thoughts yeah. on uh, on Venom? Like, are, do you want to see this movie? Do you not care? Like, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually supposed to go see it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, I'm going into it with no expectations. Uh, I think I'll pretty much enjoy it just because you know I'm just I'm generally just have the mindset that. I'm just excited to just see these, you know, these adaptations take place yeah. and, and see these characters that I, that I grew up watching and reading, yeah. you know, end up on the on the big screen in some form. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I love flat out blatantly awful and, and like is not redeemable in any way, shape, form or fashion. You know, I'm you know, like I don't I don't foresee myself being like, don't see this movie. It sucks. Never again. Yeah. And like. Another thing with me, too, is, like, I, I always liked Venom, and, like, I don't really, I don't know if I can necessarily say that I care how good or bad it is. I'm still going to see it. Yeah. And, like, I already, yeah. I already know one of the post-credit scenes. As do I. I. Both Did you watch? Them, actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, since we, okay, so let's all spoil this for each other. If you want to, if you, <laughs> if, if you want to know what they're not if you don't want to hear about this then just like plug your ears for like 20 seconds because we're gonna talk about it um the fact that carnage is gonna be in it is yep. it, it, that's awesome i'm excited it's that, woody freaking Harrel- woody harrelson how badass is that yeah I, to be honest as soon as i saw that i was like i even if the movie is bad it'll be worth it just to see that right yeah i'm i'm with it yeah 
I can't yeah. wait to see it titled Venom and, 2. Uh, you... I think Sony was censoring me because they know I'm on to them. <laughs> um, what I was Maybe saying was I'm, I'm calling it right now. It's going to be, if they make it, Venom 2 Maximum Carnage. Oh, that would be so awesome. What's the, what's the other uh, what's the other post credit scene? Uh, the other post credit scene is is actually not uh, not anything or, or the Venom movie or any or with whatever universe that Sony is trying to set up. It's just an extended uh, just an extended trailer for the for Into the Spider Verse. Like uh, apparently the thing he is just trying to promote it since it's, it's one of the next films that'll be coming out uh, later this year. Okay, so that's all. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's all. I like how Sony's like, "Hey guys, remember Spider-Man? Venom's part of Spider-Man. This is what we're allowed to show you as far as Spider-Man's concerned." <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, to, yeah. at, at least. Um, I mean, Maximum Carnage. I mean, that's that's awesome. Like, I, yeah. I'm I'm excited about that. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm forever curious. That, I'm just curious, just in general, to see how they're gonna continue to skirt around the the issue of. Hey, Spider-Man exists in this universe, but we. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for anybody who's listening. Is the relationship like Sony still technically has the rights to Spider-Man? Like they could put him in the movie if they wanted to, right? It would. It just wouldn't be the Tom Holland version. Why wouldn't they be able to do it? I don't know. I I don't think I don't think there's anything preventing them. I think it's along the lines of like, well, if we put a Spider-Man in here, then that becomes the Spider-Man that's in this universe, and we're still crossing our fingers because of the relationship we have that we can kind of tie this into the MCU. Use Tom Holland as as our Spider-Man that goes along with this Venom in this world we're setting up. It just seems silly, like when you you literally could say. All right, if Spider-Man shows up in this movie and we call this a Sony Disney joint venture and it makes 800 billion dollars. Like you, you you split the proceeds. Like that that seems yeah. like logic, doesn't it? That you could just you both could profit off of this one thing that you're both working on together? You would think. So I know that the opening weekend the they're projecting Venom to this weekend to make somewhere between 50 to 75 million. You know, there's, there's a pretty wide range because no one's really sure how the audience is going to react to it, how word of mouth is going to go. But it's still going to open pretty huge. And I think it's flirting with going to hit the October opening weekend record. Yeah. How much more money do you think putting Spider Man in as a cameo? It, it, there's a two minute scene in the film, not a post credit, but in the film, and it's Tom Holland. How much more money do you think that would generate for this? A ton, a ton more, and and all. I just the, these companies are so I wouldn't say selfish, but like they're so protective of their things. When if you combined them, they would probably would be just that much better. And like, I, I don't see how this I mean, would. You think about how much money they're going. I to think make. I wrote about it in the article here. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. So we already heard reference to what universe sony's trying to set up here and the little acronym that i've heard bandied about is the i'm going to call it the sum c s-u-m-c 
the Sony universe of Marvel characters. First off, that's stupid. Yeah. But secondly, I wanted to kind of have a more in-depth conversation with you guys about cinematic universes and why none of them, but Marvel is working. Like what is it about Marvel and why aren't these other ones working? I think to put it simply, I think a lot of it was luck and timing. And Iron Man just happened to be a really goddamn good movie. And Captain America was, was pretty good. Thor, Thor was all right. Thor was pretty good as well. Um, so like when you took the Iron Man and you took Thor and you took Captain America and you, and you put them all together and then you, you took on uh, the Incredible Hulk as well and you put them into the mix, Iron Man was the best out of all of them. Cap- Kappa was okay. Thor was, was okay. And nobody really liked any of the old Incredible Hulk stuff that they did before the MCU really got started. But when you put them all together and you had Avengers, something magical happened. We don't know why. It just it just did. And it's a problem that Hollywood has. Is instead of And actually, I'll give a really, really good comparison here. Is you know what Hollywood is exactly like? It's exactly like the NFL. Parody. Parody is the most important thing in the movie industry. You see the Wildcat. We'll use the Wildcat formation that they use in the NFL. <laughs> All They used it for – it was like the greatest thing for the Miami Dolphins for like a season. And then they stopped doing it because it stopped friggin' working. But everybody had a Wildcat formation because they all have to copy each other instead of doing what you know is tried and true and will work and knowing – like doing something creative. Creative is never a bad thing. Creativity always works. And like if DC DC and Warner Brothers could have just stuck with their guns and done a really good Superman movie. They Man of Steel was all right. If they had done a sequel Superman movie and then done a new Batman movie with Ben Affleck and then you had a crossover that you weren't so focused on world building. You were just f- focused on having a cool Batman versus Superman fight. And then at the end you realize, hey, these guys are actually heroes and they join together to stop the villain. That would have been perfectly fine. And you didn't have to include Doomsday in there and kill Superman for no good goddamn reason. Like, it it just, it frustrates me that everybody has to copy each other and thinks that that's somehow going to fix everything. And it's, it's, it's just like, it's frustrating to no end that like, they can't just, just go with what you think would work best instead of just saying, well, this worked for Marvel and Disney. Let's copy them. They got lucky as hell. It just happened to work right. And you can't expect the same thing, especially with DC with much darker, grittier characters too. So at least that's my if take. If anything, on. what they should try to the only thing they should really try to emulate is just telling good stories. From like is, DC's perspective, are they really darker characters? I I, th- I think they are. I mean, like if you think about like the universes and stuff in general, I mean they're much more serious. I think your DC. Can characters, you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, bud. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, did you guys hear anything I said in like the last ten minutes? Uh, yeah, we have been catching some of what okay, you're saying. Okay. But I, Zencaster okay. is being very problematic tonight. I don't know what the issue is, but um, it's been I've been having issues on my end too. So I, if you guys are getting bounced every five seconds, so am I. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and wrap up the geek sheets here. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and stop this episode here. We will reset, but MC, since I got you on the line here, uh, let's talk about uh, your mashup of the week here. Sure. Give us a little intro here. We'll play your mashup of the week. Uh, we'll go ahead and shut this episode down, and then we'll b- come back and we'll talk about Iron Fist Season 2. Um, 
don't you tell us a little bit about this? Because we haven't done a mashup of the week in a while. Sure. Uh, I lost you again. Stars <laughs> of this decade. Can you hear me? And yeah. he has released, you know, hit after hit after hit. And one of his biggest hits, uh, which was released in the last year, was the song Finesse. Now, stylistically, Bruno Mars did get accused of plagiarism and, and all of these, you know, all of these other things. But ultimately, I mean, his artistry and his creativity can't be denied. Now, his style is very similar to a former very large pop star, arguably the king of pop, as he was once known. And uh, I found this mashup on YouTube one day. And, um, you know, there are just some things in life that just go together. You know, regardless of the fact that they were not originally put together, but then you put them together and they just work. It just works. And so with what you're about to hear, you're going to hear a mashup of a Bruno Mars song and a Michael Jackson song. I won't say which one. I'll just just let it play. And uh, like I said, some things just work. And this is one of those things. mashup is called Remember the Finesse. If you look it up, it's Bruno Mars featuring Michael Jackson. Um, we're going to close out this episode of The Geek Sheets on this song. So guys, my name is Mike Lundstreet, and this has been GGR Pirate Radio. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!